born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. And we're studying in the book of the book of Romans. So if you will, take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans. Romans is a very, very good book. I enjoy going through the book. You probably say, I'll be glad when you get through the book. Well, we're almost there. We're, we're moving on. So if you will, take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Now, this is actually carrying over all the way from chapter 12 about dedicating ourselves to the Lord and letting our bodies be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And, uh, and then when you get to chapter 13, uh, that a man is to uh, have no debts except to love his brother, to love one another. And so in chapter 14, talks about the strong bearing with the weak, loving one another. So chapter 15 is actually carrying over from that because of what's mentioned in the last verse of chapter 14 and about what's a faith and what is not a faith. And so whenever you, as a child of God, have trusted Christ as Savior, you're his child, you're going to heaven when you die, there's a lot of things that God has in his word that he wants us to, to learn, to apply. And um, all of this is to help you and I become what we call competent to counsel. You see, helping one another is being able to counsel one another, to help them through their problems. So all of us are problem solvers. And the reason you study the Bible is so that you can help people solve the problems God's way. Trying to help people focus from God's viewpoint. And it would help so much if everybody would just look at it from God's perspective. So that's what we try to do. I always use people's problems to try to get them to see things from God's viewpoint. And uh, I believe almost all problems are spiritual problems. If we can just get things and get people to do right by the Lord, things will work out so much smoother. It's whenever sin gets in, everything gets all messed up. So here in the book of Romans in chapter 15, I want you to see where it talks about you that are strong in the Lord. This is also mentioned in the book of Galatians and chapter 6. Uh, ye that are strong in the Lord, seek to restore such a one in, that's weak and in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest I also be tempted. In other words, it's so easy for an individual to, to sin. And because of that, 
it's so easy for other people who didn't to judge and to be hard upon people because, you know, well, I didn't fall. Why did you fall? And so there's people who want to put their foot on the back of a, a sheep and push your face on down in the mud and hold them there and uh, because it makes them look so much better when everybody else falls. So some Christians believe that it's God's will that they go around and blowing out other people's lights. Because if they blow out everybody else's light, theirs look brighter. But it doesn't happen that way. So anyway, here in the chapter 15, look there in uh, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. It's like helping a person that's in a wheelchair. You're not in a wheelchair? Be thankful. There's some people that are. So be considerate of other people who have infirmities, weaknesses that you may not have. And uh, always remember this, be patient with people who are now where you once were. And just because, you know, the Bible talks about there's a time to weep, a time to rejoice. And so you weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. Because people always like company and they want people to feel for them, to have compassion for them. It means feeling their hurt or their joy within them. And uh, you are ministering to them. You enter into that, whatever they're facing, and uh, becoming one. Now, as you go through the book of Romans, you'll also find toward the end of the chapter, it's talking about the unity, even though we're so different in chapter 12. And everybody has a different gift and a different grace and different ministries, yet all of it works together to produce the unity that you and I are supposed to have so that we are like one person. This church is supposed to act and think like there's only one person here. Everybody thinks the same way. Wouldn't it be great if all of us did? But anyway, in verse 1, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmity. The word ought there uh, has a connotation to it of like it's a debt. You ought to do this. You owe this. You see there in chapter 13, just look at verse 8, where it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. So you owe it. It's like it's a debt. We ought to do this. From God's viewpoint, these are things that he says in chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do this. In view of what God's done, you do this. And so God has laid out what we're supposed to do. It's just that sometimes we have a hard time doing this. And if you look at this, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, this whole thing about serving the Lord is not about pleasing us, but pleasing God and pleasing our neighbor. When he talked about the two greatest things, he didn't ask, you know, what's the two greatest things you can do? <laughs> love myself. No, it didn't say that. He said, love God and love others. Love others as you would or should love yourself. If you really loved yourself, don't you want the best for yourself? Well, what's the best for you? Well, the will of God. So you should always want the will of God for yourself. But if you want it for yourself, don't you think that that would be the best for everybody else? You should desire this, the will of God for everybody else. So you want to try to do whatever it takes to get people to do the will of God. So that's why in your own personal life, you don't want to have or be a stumbling block to those that are weak because it would keep them from fulfilling the will of God for their life. 
don't you want other people when they get to heaven to have all that honor and glory and praise that God wants to give them? And wouldn't it be a shame that you, you hindered them? You said discouraging things to them. You pulled them down. You destroyed their character. You did things that would cause them to go astray. All because you didn't care about them. You just did whatever you want to do for yourself and think it didn't matter. And no man is an island unto himself. So these things are so important. And you ought to underline that. Not to please ourselves. And as you know, when Jesus Christ did what he did, he says, I do all things that please my Father. He did what, whatever the Father wanted, that's what he did. And whatever God wants you and I to do, that's, that's what we do. And look in verse 2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now these verses are written after that subject that we talked about last week in chapter 14. About our Christian life and the effects that it has. When you're talking about whether it's going to be legalism or license or liberty. Whatever you do, consider the person that's weak. Because if you just try to live legalism and under the law, that's such a heavy burden to bear. And you try to make people do things and you haven't won their mind. If you win a person, persuade them to serve the Lord, then serving the Lord in rules and regulations don't bother them. It's when the love isn't there, the desire isn't there, but you put them under rules and regulations, there's nothing there except a law that crushes them. And then to go swing to the other side on the license. You know, I'm free, therefore I can do whatever I want to do, and it doesn't matter. And so there's people who say, okay, the free gift of eternal life, I have it. I'm going to heaven when I die. I can't go to hell. So I might as well just live like I please, like have an eternal life as a license to sin. And we should never give people the impression that eternal security is the license or the permission to sin against God. People look at it that way, but it's wrong. Because my freedom in the Lord and knowing I have eternal life is my greatest motivation for me to serve the Lord. So there is, there's liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or I could say it this way, when the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the master of your life, you'll live a free life because it keeps you from legalism, it keeps you from sin, it keeps you serving the Lord. And so learn to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free from the law and free from sin. So we have liberty in Christ. Now, as you go through the 14th chapter, it talks about us not being stumbling blocks to those that are weak. And then he tells us in chapter 14, why? Because God talks about the God of peace, God of patience. Uh, just look there very quickly in verse 5 where it says the God of patience. Doesn't it take a lot of patience dealing with people? People that are not where you are because you're so spiritually minded. You know, you're on the top of the, the pile here. You're already up that mature ladder. And those weak Christians down there, just don't they just get under your skin and bother you because you're so holy now? Be patient with people that are now where you once were. And if you are spiritually minded, you'll be weak Christian minded. Because you want to help every individual to be strong in the Lord. And so he says there, 
that talking about this truth that we have, this God of patience. See that in verse 13? Now the God of hope. You're talking about where God gives you something to live for, anticipating the, the joyful anticipation of the promises of God. Because this year comes after we talk about the promises mentioned there in verse 8. And then it also talks about in verse 33, Now the God of peace be with you all. So it's God is this. And whenever you have a closer walk with the Lord, it will produce that in your life, the patience, the hope, the peace. And that's what you demonstrate to God's people in the Lord. Because you're trying to bring others along. That's why we try not to be too hard and, you know, so forceful on individuals. Give people a chance to breathe. Uh, let them make some good decisions and let them make some bad decisions. Without always thinking I've got to bring the hammer down and try to kill everybody. I don't think that God is pleased with that. We try to teach what is right, but learn to bend. But always come back to your original position. You always bend in with people because people don't always do everything they should. So we adjust. Doesn't mean you're compromising truth. You're not compromising truth. You're also demonstrating some compassion along with the, the strictness of knowing truth. See, truth is always truth. But the Bible does talk about loving, speaking the truth in love. Speaking a certain way. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. It means where it's more flavorful. It means where people can accept it easier. I, I like salt on my eggs. It just makes it taste better. And though you may say the truth, there's a way of saying it that's more palatable to people that can accept it easier. Uh, I've always been struggling with that because I am... Uh, of a, a, a D type of personality. It means a strong, dictatorial, dominating, you know, authoritative, boom, between the eyes, you know, my way, the highway, you know, all that stuff. And I have to always try to temper my temperament. And that's been a very difficult thing. There's other people who are more passive. They can just sit and listen and never say anything, never talk and so forth. And you always wonder, I wonder what they're thinking. Well, people like me, you never worry about what I'm thinking. I tell you what I'm thinking. So there's people that explode. There's other people that hold everything in. So you don't know. And uh, sometimes, either way, is good or bad. It's just that that's the way you are. It's the way we are. But anyway, go back here to verse 3. Now it refers back to Christ. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Oh, what Jesus is saying here, this is from the 69th Psalm. And uh, in that Psalm, it goes through and says some wonderful things. But there's a, a, a verse there that talks about where Christ says to the Lord, the reproaches that were against you fell on me. What they did against you fell on me. And so Christ bore the reproach. And you and I are supposed to bear the reproach. You see, if you and I will serve the Lord, there's people against God, and it'll fall on us. They use you. They will never say things about God, but they will about you. And they will hurt you and be nasty and mean and unkind to you. Just let it roll. Just let it come. And don't worry about it. 
They did the same thing to the Lord, and they'll do the same thing to you. So you don't have to worry about it. God will take care of things. Just always consider what the Lord had to go through, and you'll have to go through the same things also. He was our example. And so when it comes to people, you're going to have to allow yourself to be defrauded at times, hurt at times. But serve the Lord as though you've never been hurt. Because if you always get hurt, because you always get offended, then you're going to get bitter. And then the root of bitterness springs up, and you're going to cause other people to be bitter. So God says, don't go that way. I want you to learn to show compassion. To learn what God means when he says he is a God of patience. Well, the closer you walk with God, the more patience you're going to develop. And if he's the God of hope, when it seems like there's nothing worth living for, it seems like everything's falling apart, because you know that God is the God that gives this joyful anticipation of the fulfillment of his promises, you've got something to believe in. And so it kind of brings you through all the rough times in your life. And whenever God is the God of peace, well, you see, you don't need peace if there's no trouble. Peace is whenever you can have the peace of God in the midst of trouble. I was told that there were some people that were asked to draw a picture of peace. A picture of peace. And some people drew a nice scene of the, you know, the water and the, the waves down low. And they drew pictures of the mountains and so forth. And this one man, this artist, he drew a picture of a, a little bird on a limb, sound asleep. And the wind is howling and the storm and the rain is falling and the tree is bending and all that. And this picture of a little bird sitting on a limb in the midst of a storm, that's peace. It's not when everything is peaceful around you. It's when everything seems to fall apart and you can be at peace. Because you're getting your strength and your confidence and your hope from the Lord. And God will bless you because of that. Now what I want you to see there in verse 4 is a reference to why we should study the Old Testament. He says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. So those were written. The Old Testament is not written so much as to us, but it is for us. We have a lot of doctrine in the New Testament. There's Old Testament stories that illustrate New Testament doctrine. So that's why you can always find these types in the Old Testament of New Testament teaching. We understand what they mean. In the Old Testament, it's like they're concealed, but in the New Testament, it's revealed. So they both work together. Which one's most important? They all work together. We need the whole Word of God. And so he makes the statement, they were written for our learning because as you read the Old Testament, you'll find out how God dealt in the lives of individuals, real people, real problems, what God said, what they did, and the consequences. So that you and I are supposed to draw our strength from, look what God said, look what they did, and look how God responded. And you'll find out that those stories are there illustrating tremendous truth for you and I on how to live our life. That's why he makes a statement in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, uh, seeing we have such a great cloud of witnesses. 
And those witnesses were the Old Testament saints mentioned there in chapter 11, what God said, what they did, and the result. So you have all these witnesses, and so the Bible says that these stories in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms in chapter 19, where it says the, the, the word of God makes wise the simple, and the testimonies of the Lord are true, enlightening the eyes. It helps us to become wise, because the more you know about what God did, the more encouraging it can be for you. Did you know I take encouragement all the time from that little story called um, David and Goliath? You ever heard of David and Goliath? The little boy that beat the giant. And how that all the other guys, they stood on the sideline and complained and shook and shivered. And here's this one little lad that goes up there. And he'd already done beat up on a lion, already done beat up on a bear. And he had no fear at all about this giant. He had confidence because he, he had some past successful experiences. He already seen what God can do. And he knew he was taking a stand for the Lord and he feared no one. And all the other ones, his brothers and all, made fun. But I love the story, how that he put the stone. I was told he put five stones in the bag because there was five brothers. I, I don't know, that sounds good to me. So he was ready for whatever. And he put that stone in that sling and he swung it round and round. And the Holy Spirit took that little stone and guided it through the air, planted it right into his brain. And the giant came tumbling down. And he takes his sword and cuts off his head. I mean, what a story. And so what was Goliath? A problem. All he was was a problem. And whenever they went into the land of Israel, and lo and behold, they saw the children of Anak there. Giants in the land. Ten of them came back with an evil report. What did they see? There was big grapes and big giants. And they became afraid of the giants. They should have focused on the grapes. I just got an email from Greg Steer, and he sent an email out, and I read that. Did you read that? Did you see it? About Greg Steer, he sent out a thing about the grapes and the giants. And what are you looking at, grapes or giants? Remember, when the grapes are the result of the promise of God that flows with milk and honey, and then there was the giants in the land. So what are you looking at, the grapes or the giants? This is it a good illustration? And when they saw the giants, what was the giants? problems have any problems lately focus on the grapes focus on the promises of God so why is he telling us this because that's what he wants us to do see there in verse 8 let me just jump down there a little bit I sometimes I can't stand I can't wait so I always jump ahead and over here and over there that's okay in verse 8 says now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision the Jews for the truth of God to confirm thee, and you ought to underline this, to confirm the promises. Why is he saying that? Because, see, there's promises in the Word of God. And God wants us to believe the promises, the truth of God. Because, see, if God makes a promise, and God has to fulfill the promise, God's Word is at stake. Uh, for example, 
uh, you take in the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, where God says in the, the word there, uh, Moses says, God will raise up a prophet like unto me. And he says, if a prophet say this and that and the other, and it doesn't happen, he says, then he's a liar. In other words, if the prophet says something, then it has to be true. So Jesus Christ puts his stamp of approval upon the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So that means that all the promises there and all the prophecies given must always be fulfilled, just like God said. And so as time goes on, either the prophecy has to be totally fulfilled, as it says, or the prophet is a liar. And God says, you don't have to fear that. God's word is true. And everything God promised in his word, God has to fulfill. Now, he's made some promises that are conditional, conditional promises. That means it's conditional upon the fact, if you serve me, I will do this. If you do not serve me, I will do this. So he made promises, but they're conditional upon your choice and what you do, your trust. So therefore, you're to study the word of God so that you know what the promises are because God will keep his word. And so he says there in verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through, and here's that word, patient. And that's why you're talking about now the God of patient and comfort. So up there in verse 4, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures. See, it says that that's the way God is. So God must be the God of the scriptures. If he's the God of patience and comfort, then he tells us about the patience and the comfort that comes from the scriptures. In other words, like God made his word and God expects us to believe his word. His word is as good as God. And his word is forever settled in heaven. I love it. So he makes a statement here. In the last part, might have hope. Now, this is not talking about salvation. This is talking to the believer and how to mature in the Lord and how to, the strong is supposed to help the weak. You see, sometimes when I'm not winning somebody to the Lord or talking to people about how to be saved, I'm always talking to the Christians about how to be strong enough so they'll be around to reach the lost. So you see, you're either always winning and training, winning and training. Uh, they got different names, but it always boils down to the same thing. Whether you have a Sunday school or a church or a ranch or whatever the ministry may be, radio ministry, it's always winning and training, winning and training, winning and training. That's all there is. And you need to have a balance in your life. I would call that balancing the Christian life, where you also reach for the lost man, but you also reach for the saved man. And you either got to keep winning and training, winning and training. That's the purpose of the Christian life, and that's what we do. Now look there in verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be, and here's that word, like-minded, like-minded, one toward another according to Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus you and I are supposed to think the same way. Wouldn't it be great if all of God's people think the same? What an army that would be. 
We could turn the world upside down if all of God's children thought the same way. We all would just read the Bible, believe the Bible, and did what it said. We would be an army, a force that the world could not handle. We could do everything that needed to be done. But God's people are not faithful to the book. And so many of God's children are weak in the Lord. They're carnal-minded, materialistic-minded, but they're not spiritually-minded. And therefore, there's a consequence. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.